welcome to this episode of The Work, a podcast co-hosted by John Sumser and me, Gina Kelly, where we delve into some tough topics about workplace and workforce, and um, it takes us to a whole different level sometimes. So we're delighted to welcome today's guest. Her name is Addie Swartz. She is the CEO and founder of ReachHire in Concord, Massachusetts. And uh, Addie, I want to say thank you for joining us. But most important, I'd like our listeners to know who you are and a bit about ReachHire. So tell us a bit about your background and what led you to find to, to start ReachHire, which, which has a very interesting mission that I think our listeners will find fascinating. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Jean and John, for having me today. Um, I am looking forward to having this conversation. Uh, when I think about uh, my journey, uh, I think about the deep passion that I've had to really transform how work and life fit together for women. And I've done that for uh basically three decades. And, you know, I started my first company as an entrepreneur uh, when I was on maternity leave with my first child. And that company, Bright Ideas, was all about creating a opportunity for women who were tech savvy and suddenly at home with their first or second child, looking for alternatives to keep their skills up, to still have a career and be more flexible. That was in the early 90s, before we had the internet, before we had work from home, <laughs> which was never an option. It was never then. an option, right. <laughs> and uh, and that really was, you know, very novel. And the, the concept was to leverage, uh, you know, tech-savvy moms to educate and sell educational software uh, to um, parents and teachers and schools and like kind of get them on this sort of technology wave way back when. Um, so I started that company from scratch, from a spare bedroom when my daughter was three months old and was lucky enough to sell it to a division of Pearson Education uh, six years later. So very excited um, about that. But I ended up having two daughters, um, now three companies. Wow. And this notion of how do women fit careers into life and however way it fits them. Because some people wanna be the next CEO of a major Fortune 500 companies, and others wanna just have something that you know generates income that allows them to do other things or um, enables them to spend time with um, elder parents or taking care of sick children or um, having other options. And so ReachHire was born uh, just about 10 years ago with the notion that there were too many women sitting on the sidelines that were highly educated and highly experienced that if they only had a second chance to kind of jump back into the workforce with skills, training and support and community that they could actually re-enter, re-engage, reignite and succeed. And that's what ReachHire has done for nearly 10 years. And you know, that's where we started. We've certainly done more than that over time. You know, I, I, I love the, the personal connection here, but I'm going to take you back to your own career because, uh, first of all, you're a Stanford University graduate, 
and you started your career at Bain. So um, that's pretty high-powered right there, that combination. What were you experiencing as you went through, you know, uh, the pregnancy of your first child, um, you know, uh, having a newborn child? You all of a sudden became an entrepreneur. So, so what led to that? I think what led to that was two things. There weren't very many women, um, even in the company that I was working at at that time when I went on maternity leave was Lotus Development. And even though it was founded in 1983, not like when IBM was founded, there still weren't that many layers uh, and levels of senior leadership that were female. So there was definitely this very significant glass ceiling. That was one thing. I think the second thing was that childcare wasn't nearly to the point of um, security that it is now. So um, there weren't there weren't childcare centers that you could feel very safe leaving your children in. Uh, and then um, lastly, if you wanted flexibility, there was no flexibility. Yeah. There was commuting, there was everything was, you had to be here, there, you had to travel when you had to travel. And it's funny because if you fast forward to where we are today, given the last couple of years of the pandemic, we can't even envision a world where you didn't have the option to work at home, where we couldn't actually talk to people through our computers and see them and interact with them, even have interactive working sessions where we have whiteboards, all in the space of our own homes across the country or across the world. So it was a very different time where there was a lot less flexibility. And that didn't really suit women who wanted to drive their careers at the same time as wanted to, um, you know, at least have a hand in what was going on at home. We, we did have to hide a great deal of ourselves, didn't we, though? Um, you know, I know it wasn't terribly popular to be a mother of young children uh, in the workforce. You, you got passed over uh, often when there were, you know, assignments being handed out. John, looks like you might have something to say. I do see you're on mute, though, so I, I just want to call that out in case there's a magic button you need to press at that end. There we go. Uh, so I've been trying to figure out how to formulate this question because I'm, I'm very curious. It seems to me that everything I see, read, hear about recruiting of people is all about hooking into people's passion and making sure that work is somehow intellectually and emotionally meaningful, right? That's the thing. That's that's the thing that the HR vendors are selling these days. But you mentioned that, and I agree, that, that lots of people just want a place to make some money and, you know, be nice if they enjoyed the work, but it doesn't have to mean that they're saving the world. It doesn't have to be completely, deeply, profoundly meaningful in ways that are other than good good days pay for good days work. How do you how do you do reach hire so that you value that at the same time that you value the shinier object of the upwardly mobile career woman who is breaking through glass ceilings and stuff, right? They seem they seem to have there seems to be some contradiction there. Yeah, so, I mean, different people look at work different ways and how work fits into their lives. I think what we are focused on is, we actually are focused on two things now, not only replenishing the talent pipeline for corporations, but also helping them grow the diverse talent they have in the companies that doesn't seem to be able to get through. So we didn't touch on that, but 
that, that we have a talent experience platform called Aurora that really was um, inspired from all the learning on bringing women back into the workplace the way we do it. The way I would say it differently, um, but connectedly, is that people need to feel like they belong. And there's a lot of people talking about this, but what does it mean and how do you actually get it to happen? And you get it to happen by bringing groups of people in together, having a shared experience together, and going on a journey together. And so what we found and what I think is our secret sauce is really understanding that it's not just a job, it's connecting to people in a real way. It's having other people on the same journey that you're on. Think about your first day of high school, your first day of college and your first year of college, freshman year, uh, and you know, or joining a new church or moving to a new community. How do you get connected? How do you feel like you're part of it? And how do you make sure that you feel like when you show up, people care and that you're respected and that your voice is heard? And I think those are the things that are most essential to having people feel happy and having a sense of community and that they want to be there. And so I feel like, you know, with women coming back into the workforce, first of all, historically, there was a big block. You had a break on your resume, good luck to you. Um, now all the ATS systems are set up that if you have a break and the way that the, um, the recruiters are set up, they don't want it. They'd rather have that shiny penny that they can grab from LinkedIn and stick it into the job and show it to the manager than somebody who is maybe 70% ready for that job, but within six months could be 130% better than the person that was the shiny penny because they're more connected, they're more motivated, and they're extremely grateful for the second chance. So I'm not sure I answered your question, but I No, no, but 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 you took it down you took it down a great you took it down a great tangent. And and so so I have a couple questions for you. One is in your package of things that you do, do you train people how to take responsibility for the kind of stuff that you're talking about? So if you show up and in the new church, the way that I think the way that you get to feel like you belong is you work hard to belong. Um, and that, that that's different than a, a lot of what you hear in HR these days, which is it's the company's responsibility to make you feel good. Um, and you don't really hear very much about how you can make a difference by being a worker. And then the second the second thing is, I have a friend who says a resume is a list of all the things that you don't ever want to do again. Um, and I think that, I think that's pretty good. In the in the contemporary HR tech matching process um, of recruiting, people are matched and ranked based on whether or not they meet all of the qualifications of the job which means they're going to be doing things that they've already done and don't want to do anymore. So when you have a 100% match, it's kind of a guarantee of failure or mediocrity. Um, and what you really want in the matching process is to be able to unearth the kind of person that you're talking about, somebody with 70% of the qualifications, so that the job has some challenge, um, right? Because challenge is what keeps people in place. That's the best retention tool ever. So, so let me see if I can take a stab at this. Okay, sorry, that was a lot. Conversation. Long. I think we're going to run out of time, and I think I'd love to have 
drinks with you <laughs> at, another, at another opportunity. Um, so I feel like that, um, yes, everybody has to work hard at anything that's valuable. And when you are thrown into a new environment, it's really critical that you uh, explore different things and try to get connections in different ways. So, you know, part of our program is not only connecting to the cohort of women that are going back into the same company together, but that you actually are joining the ERG group or you're joining the, you know, big event that they're doing about, uh, you know, Ramadan that they're doing a celebration on or, or something like that. So I feel like that there are personal things that you have an ability to connect with people in different ways. And that's important. And yes, we do showcase that as an opportunity. We also walk alongside each person and not only do they have their connected um, cohort, but then we actually um, have a, almost like a, a coach uh, we call them a program manager that is really looking out for the interests and best interest of each person while they are going through our program, which is a program. And so I feel like that, um, yes, you, you absolutely have to try hard to connect, but also there are things that we build in to make that happen. In terms of how traditional recruiters um, and and sort of our setup of how people get into companies in general, people are never looking for that 70% person. What makes ReachHire unique is that we're set up from the beginning to have 70% candidates be okay, because we actually are the employees of record for those women while they're on their six month journeys. And so um, we are walking alongside them we want them to succeed. We um, we give them pointers and coaching and um, workshops all the way throughout their experience when they're actually in a permanent role in this role. And there is a beginning, middle, and end to the program. So the seventy percent candidate is definitionally what we do. And the other thing that's pretty exciting is if you've taken a two-year break, a five-year break, a seven-year break. 10-year break or more, the longer break you've taken, the more likely that job that you did isn't there anymore. So definitionally, you might have to go into a different kind of job and going into a different industry. We, we've taken people that have been in the airline industry and transitioned them to medical device. We've taken people that were in medical sales and moved them into talent acquisition and financial services. So you're getting growth and learning, but you're also you know, working on leveraging the past skills that you had into new roles. The way that we do it in a cohort model in a programming fashion enables it so that people that are 70 percenters can learn and grow and make new connections in new industries and really transform their skills and their interests. Wow, I want to know more. Well, <laughs> I, and I'm sitting, I'm sitting here wondering. So, how do? And if I remember, it, it, you, you, I know a lot of the folks in your program are women, but you also do uh, military and anyone else who's you know had a career break. I mean, sometimes and we take men too. We do yeah, take men too. Yeah. It just so happened that women end up definitionally. Yes. More proportionately have taken the breaks. Yeah, totally understood. But how do they find you? 
how do they find reach hire? Because you have to have supply of this talent, um, you know, because I'm right now we're in a period of, of history where companies are clamoring for talent. So that's not the demand is definitely there. But how do the how do the women find reach hire? How do they know about you? So women find retire online. They find them uh, most, a lot of the time through women that have gone through a program that are so happy. Uh, we've had spouses come back after the other uh, partner has gone in. We've had sisters come back. We actually, believe it or not, had a summer intern three years ago, college intern, whose mother is currently applying to go back through one of our programs now. <laughs> and I that's think great. that's so exciting. So people find out any number of ways, but we also do um, workshops, we do webinars, we teach people like how to take the first step. We've done things with museums around the country uh, and, and, just, and there's actually now um, a new book that I just published called uh, The Definitive Return to Work Playbook which uh, is on Amazon. Uh, also, if you actually have someone that's interested in going back to work, you can uh, go to our website and check it out. Uh, and it's a downloadable book that has not only examples of people just like you that have gone back to work that maybe under unsurmountable odds have uh, been able to return, but also concrete exercises that you can download and help yourself on the journey. Whether you want to go back into a big corporate role job, or if you want to go into a smaller job, or if you want to hang out your own shingle and do some consulting, or be an independent contractor. So, you know, that um, that book, uh, we're hoping will really uh, help thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people think about their next step and how they can think about taking that. Amazing. I have, I have a question. Do you think that, do you think that we're coming into a period of time, Addie, where the traditional W-2 employment model is just going to go away and people will gig and maybe they'll gig in one place for six months and another place three months and, and maybe the role of companies will be to try to like somehow manage a talent pool of qualified workers that they can dip into periodically based on on their requirements. I, I'm just wondering if the traditional kind of contract between employer and employee is changing. Are you observing that? I definitely think that contract is absolutely wholeheartedly changing. I feel like as an employer myself, um, I feel like this whole return to work, return to the office, you know, at, we're seeing that there are more and more remote jobs. If a company is saying you have to show up a certain number of days a week, they are losing candidates. They are losing the quality of the candidate because people are feeling like they have shown that they can work from home. There's the technology to support that and they can do it. I think it's a matter of risk profile. And I think that it's just getting more and more customized. I think you're always going to have people that like being an employee. They like having the benefits. They like being part of an organization. Even it's, I think it's great fun to show up and like connect with people in person. I miss that personally. Um, so I think you're not going to get rid of that, uh, that, that W-2. But I do think that there's just, 
it's just so easy to throw up a website, you know, promote yourself on LinkedIn and Twitter and um, and other social channels. And if you have been in a company and now your stature has changed, or you know, you you maybe have young children, or you now now are taking care of an elder parent, or you need to move to a different place. Um, you're going to do those things and then figure out how work fits in. And I think smart employers are going to have to uh, really play to a lot of different kinds of communities in order to make the work get done in a thoughtful way. I love what you just said about work fitting in. I don't think we've, uh, John, I wonder what you're thinking of that about that. I mean, I think you know, work kind of consumed us, at least throughout our careers. And now the idea of work having to fit into our lives. So so companies, employers have to think very differently about how they engage us in a way that work fits in and gets done, but they still respect our lives. What are your thoughts, John? Well, I'm not sure that's that new. I'm not sure that that's actually that new. There, You know, the, the world that we are, are coming out of is a hierarchical world. And the stories that you hear about careers are about people moving up the ladder. But it's a pyramid. So only 1 in 10 or 1 in 20 actually get to move up the ladder. And that's, that's part of the problem with the way HR sees what a career is, is it's modeled on the experience of 5% of the workforce. Uh, the 95% of the workforce are on bowling teams. <laughs> you know, they, they 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 go to church, they sing in bands, they do clogging, they fish, they hunt. <laughs> they do all of this stuff. Why do they do all this stuff? Because job enables them to do it. And so they do fit work in. They have been fitting work in, and they wonder who the nutcases are who think you're supposed to get a lot of meaning out of the job. It's the lucky few who who get to get to really do what they love to do and go hunting. Um. Yeah, that's this is a big conversation, John. I'm, uh, you know, visions of Maslow's hierarchy are like flashing through my mind here. Um, I, I I did have a, a very interesting conversation recently with a CHRO though on this very topic in terms of, um, uh, you know, that not everyone is on an upward trajectory. And I think her exact words were something along the lines of leadership isn't always the option, that we're not always, you know, striving to be uh, balancing on the head of a pin at the top of the pyramid. Um, Addie, what is your experience in terms of the types of roles that you see women returning into the workforce? What types of roles are best fit for, for the talent that you're observing? I have a firm belief that smart people and dedicated and motivated people can learn anything. And um, and that is a fundamental difference between filling a job on a resume and actually looking at a person holistically and seeing how they can fit in your organization. Um, so, you know, women historically are really good at multitasking across a variety of things. That's project management 101. You can be a technical project manager. You can be a, 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 a non-technical project manager. Um, uh, you know, there are there were more STEM graduates that were female in, 19, um, in 1985 than there were in 2010. Those women, yes, they're older, but they could be deployed in new ways on the tech side of the business. And we do that every day. 
um, we placed hundreds and hundreds of people into roles that didn't exist 10 years ago. Um, you know, marketing, finance, if you've kept up skills, if you've, many people that have taken time off haven't just sat, you know, sat and twiddled their thumbs. They have, you know, volunteered for their church or their community or their school or something. Um, and so all kinds of ways to leverage and also all kinds of ways today in a not expensive way to learn and build on the skills that you have. Um, through community programming and um, online courses, mm -hmm. many of which are offered for free, like edX and others. So um, so if you're a motivated person, you can do this. Um, and the world is your oyster, but you need to have the motivation. You need to have the community. You need to have willing employers who think differently about talent and who almost are thinking about manufacturing talent for the needs that they have today versus just grabbing from the pool of talent that's there. And I think you get richer, more diverse thinking, you get innovation, you get people coming from marketing going into finance, you get people going from you know um, one industry into biotech. Biotech didn't exist 10 years ago or so. So um, it's not for the faint hearted because you are walking alongside the people but you are changing and transforming the future of work and the future of organizations and done the right way. And we have one company we've worked for, for uh, going on 10 years and we are part of their workforce planning every year. That's great. And we've placed hundreds and hundreds of people in their organizations who are diverse, who are thriving. And when we started in 2013, Three of those four people are still there at all, at all ages, by the way. That's great. One woman, one woman started at the age of 58. You have time for one more big question? Sure. Here, here, so, so I love what you're doing, and it seems to me that the market is going to turn deeply in your favor over the next four or five years with lots of transitions by lots of people. And so... My question for you is, is this scalable and how do you think about scaling it? If you had to do a thousand times the volume you're currently doing of moving people through the process, how would you do that? Well, it's such a great question, John. Thank you for asking it. Based on all of our learnings, we developed something called uh, Aurora, which is our talent experience platform. And it kind of takes all of the secret sauce of what we've learned and ported it into a talent experience platform to help more women grow and thrive so they don't necessarily have to leave. And so, um, and we actually have different tracks. So we have a track for early career women, mid-career women, women of color, and we have a return to work track. So um, we feel that's a way to scale, not only you know within an organization, but across organizations. We've run programs um, on Aurora, not only on the return to work side, but on the talent development side in six different countries at the same time, all delivered virtually, all delivered with a human connection and human touch. So stay tuned. We're so working on it. You've done the research and you're about to turn it into a software product. Good. That's, that's fantastic to hear. Jean? That's wonderful. Addie, I know we're, we're, we've used up all our time with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Um, I, one last thing. I'd like you to please tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you, uh, you know, based on what you've shared with them today, but also in case they're interested in Reach Hire. Sure. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This has been a wonderful conversation. Um, and I feel so lucky to have been in your company, both of you. So thank you. Um, in terms of getting in touch, uh, it's uh, www.reachhire.com with hire being one H. And you can learn a little bit more about our return to work programs. We have lots of corporations that are our partners. We've had um, many, many years of doing this. We have excited alums, enthusiastic alums. We have wonderful stories. You can sign up for our newsletter, download the ebook on our website um, and connect with us and tell us how we can help you. And learn a little bit more about Aurora. <laughs> That's so generous. I love that the ebook is available. Um, the the playbook, I should say, um, is is currently complimentary. Uh, I, I'm sure that won't be forever, but. You know, I think that's so generous that you're offering that at the website. Yeah, so, you can get it. You. you can get it on Amazon, but you can get it for free as a download on our website by just providing your email address. That's great. That's great. We want to help as many people get back to work, however way we can help them. I love that, especially especially given given what we've all been through. So thank you, Addie. We uh, uh, really appreciated our conversation with you today. This is The Work, the podcast about work. Thank you.